Enter now the age of apocalypse, Shiga, with your hosts, Dayspring and Scott Free. The name's Cable. Remember it. And the only people who can stop apocalypse are the mutants known as Dayspring, Scott Free, and Michelle. This is Captain America, and we need to defeat apocalypse. What's up, Familia? Dayspring here with a solo episode, solo episode of Power of X-Men, to discuss X-Men Vote 2023. I know you're probably saying, bro, what the fuck? We already talked about this to death. And I would agree with you. I would agree that we have talked about it on the podcast quite a bit. We've chatted about it as a team with Scott, Flink, and Michelle. We went through all the candidates. Each of us had our own candidate that we were campaigning for. And then in our last episode, where we were talking about Bishop War College, Scott and I sort of talked about our polling data. And I wanted to, you know, elaborate on the polling data quite a bit because, you know, I was listening back to the episode and I was like, oh man, it wasn't really clear. It made it sound like we basically do nothing. You know what I mean? Like we just sit there and be like, ha ha ha, you know, what percentage of people clicked on Dazzler and Cannonball and Frenzy, blah, blah, blah. We So this is what we do when we, we pull for the candidates. And I just want to say again, the last two years we called it. We called Polaris, we called Firestar as clear winners. So this year, we are, of course, calling Dazzler as the winner. And a lot of that comes from a sample of people who vote in the X-Men election, who come to Power of X-Men, they do their exit polling, right? So we, we, we straight up ask, who did you vote for? And we tally those numbers. Then I put in a multiple choice you know, it has to be two slides, unfortunately, on the story, because you can only do four, like four options per slide. And I ask, who did you vote for? Now, this group of people, who did you vote for out of this group of people? And then we do the polls. We ask, you know, Cannonball or Frenzy, Dazzler or Jubilee and stuff like that. And then I go on comments for Marvel. I search X-Men vote. I see what all the other accounts are doing on Instagram. And then I migrate over to the Twitter and I look who voted for what. Now, I think it would be really interesting to see Marvel's data, of course, because, you know, some of the counter arguments I get. (laughs) Some of the counter arguments I get is that, well, you know, a certain demographic of people vote for a character like Dazzler. And I was like, yeah, I, I get it. You're, you're saying Dazzler has a lot of gay stance and Power of X-Men has a lot of gay community members. So therefore, we have sort of a tinted, you know, kind of like a slanted polling data here. Like, of course, Dazzler is going to come on top because, you know, we have so many LGBTQIA plus individuals who love Dazzler and they're voting for her and they're telling us that they're voting for her and we're calling her a winner. And I'm like, I just want to say Power of X-Men is a spot for 
everyone. I pride myself in us having a huge spectrum of readers anywhere who are just, you know, cis white guys all the way to non-binary individuals, right? We are not a political place. We are not a place to proselytize real world anything. We are just here to love X-Men and I don't take I you know when I when I sort of look at all the work I do I don't usually take pride or ownership of stuff but I do want to take pride in ownership that I I try to make Power of X-Men a spot for just everyone as long as you're not hateful as long as you're not spewing out hateful stuff you are welcomed in Power of X-Men and we want to hear your opinion and I've said this before I've said this before. There's no wrong way to love the X-Men. That shit always pisses me off when someone's like, this is how you have to love the X-Men. Or this is how you have to enjoy someone. I'm like, no, fuck you. There's no wrong way to love the X-Men. I love it when someone DMs me and they're like, I'm just an MCU wand to stand. What is House of M? I'm like, let's go. I got this copy and pasted from my notes. I'm going to drop it right now. So we are a spot for people who are, you know, just MCU Wanda stands or just MCU stands. And we're, we're a place for people, you know, like me, who probably read panel for panel everything and hyperanalyze. And even then, Familia, if you listen to the podcast, you know, I, I kind of come in and out of the weeklies, you know, especially uh, since Inferno and Trial of Magneto. I just come in and out and and I kind of like, oh, okay, Dark Web. Let me read all of Dark Web and hyperanalyze everything and go nuts. And then be like, oh, well, you know, I'm not really feeling, I haven't really felt Judgment Day. So, you know, I loosely follow Judgment Day. It's okay. It's okay. There's no wrong way to be an ex-stand. And, you know, I always use the example of when I was growing up, I saw the metaphor within the X-Men TV show. The, the very obvious metaphor that the Lee Waltz, everyone has always confirmed is there. You write up to children, right? That is something that Margaret Lush, you know, who was the founder of Fox Kids, you know, told us when we had her on the podcast, you write up to kids. I mean, that's what the Lee Waltz said in their books, but kids will intuitively know that there's a larger message there. And, and that's why, like, <laughs> as I approach 40, that is why the X-Men still mean a lot to me because at a young age I was part of a conversation that I was being spoken up to. I intuitively knew there was more to this narrative than meets the eye. There was a symbolism there. Obviously I resonated with it being a gay kid and coming to terms with my sexuality. I saw that. However, you know who I grew up with? My cousin who is very straight and he fucking loved the X-Men. And he did not see the metaphor. He saw Wolverine popping his claws. He saw Storm conjuring the elements. He saw Rogue absorbing someone's power. You know, he saw Optic Blast when we were playing Marvel versus Capcom. And you know what? He fucking loved the X-Men. And he's the one who got me into the Fleer Ultras. So when I say there is no wrong way to love the X-Men, there is absolutely no wrong way to love the X-Men because I assure you, my primo, when we were walking down Calle Ocho going to Line Drive Beeper and Comics, Line Drive Beeper and Comics, we were having a fucking riot talking about Rogue trying to understand Mystique. He explained Dark Phoenix to me. So, again, we, we, this is a, a roundabout way, a long-winded way. I notice I say long-winded so much. I hate saying long-winded. I'm trying to avoid it. But this is a long-winded way of saying that I, I pride myself in Power of X-Men that we have a spectrum of readers, people who 
are not as vocal, who just love to see Wolverine pop his claws, people who love to see the mutant metaphor, people who love to see Storm conjure the elements, people who see the deep sadness in Rogue, people who are who just jumped out on Krakoa, people who've been reading since 1980 in the in the Outback X-Men, people who just watch the MCU and don't know who the fuck the X-Men are, but they hear Wanda is something of a mutant, maybe. So I am very confident in calling Dazzler our winner because, again, by the way, I, I will tell you this. Here, let, let, let me get into our, what our polling data showed. Our polling data showed the last last person coming in at number six was Prodigy. Number five was Juggernaut. And then four, three, and two sort of kind of, you know, fluctuated. At times it was Jubilee. At times it was Frenzy. At times it was Cannonball, who was coming in at the number two spot. Then maybe Jubilee and then Frenzy, or then maybe Frenzy and Jubilee, or Cannonball and Jubilee. So it, it, it kind of fluctuated. I will say early polling showed Jubilee at the bottom, and then she sort of rose to number two, number three. So those were kind of always going like switching back and forth. But I am telling you, by a landslide, by a landslide, no matter how we polled it, I talked to some other accounts. I asked them, I'm like, you, you, you solicited, who did you vote for? Who are the DMs you saw for? Dazzler was coming in at number one. Dazzler, Dazzler, Dazzler. Now, why is Dazzler coming in at number one all of a sudden? I, I thought I would have made the call that it would have been Jubilee. I would have said, oh, I think Jubilee or Juggernaut have the most commercial appeal. Because again, here's the thing, and, and this is something that a lot of people sometimes don't conceptualize. The X-Men community on Instagram, on podcasts, on YouTube, on Twitter, is a very small percentage of people who are actually X-Men fans, right? I have lots of friends, IRL, who follow the Marvel stuff, who follow the X-Men, but they don't read the weeklies. They don't listen to podcasts. They don't go on Instagram to vo vocalize their opinion. We are a very small minority of, of fandom, of Marvel in general, of Marvel fandom, who participate in the conversation. That's why I call us a familia. Because we're passionate about it. And if we're not passionate about something, we want to learn about it, right? So anyways, I thought, yes, you know, there are going to be characters who are going to be extremely popular. And a lot of us who are going to want those characters front and center, like Dazzler, Frenzy, and Prodigy. I was like, those characters, it, it's going to be very fan-driven. But they're probably not going to win. That's what I initially thought. I initially thought that. It's like, they're probably not going to win. Like, someone like Dazzler is a very niche character. Someone like Prodigy is very niche, you know. But... What, what what we're seeing here is that so many people were coming in at a landslide with Dazzler, with voting for Dazzler. And that is really curious for me because, again, again, it's not about this 1% conversation that we're having online. It's about the rest of the 99%. It's about those people who are just MCU stands who go to Marvel.com. For whatever reason, they're on Marvel.com and they see there's an X-Men vote. Who are they going to vote for? I'm like, oh, I, rec I remember Jubilee from the animated series. Check. Oh, I remember Juggernaut. Check. You know, like, I I really thought it was going to be a close race between those two. I The second I saw it, when I saw the press release and I saw it was Jubilee and Juggernaut, I was like, those are, you have your winners right there. But again, Dazzler's coming in at a landslide. And I'm really curious about that. Why, why is she coming in at a landslide? And I think it has a lot to do with Exterminators. I think that was really good positioning for her. I think people who normally wouldn't have thought to be a Dazzler stand or elect Dazzler in an election 
are just finishing that series and like, damn, man, she's like really cool. Let's put her in there. Dazzler also was in Pride of the X-Men. Right. I That was a VHS. I, I get it like it's on YouTube now. Not many people probably watch it. But if you were a kid of the 80s and the 90s and even early aughts, you got a Pride of the X-Men VHS. It was just part of your welcome basket to childhood. Here is Pride of the X-Men. Dazzler was really big there. The arcade game is huge. Everyone fucking loves that arcade game. Everyone still talks about this arcade game. And who's there? Dazzler. So... You know, those would be contributing factors as to why I think Dazzler is coming out on top by a landslide, apart from, you know, her very obvious vocal fan base. But, you know, our polling data suggests it's Dazzler. So, again, coming in at sixth place is Prodigy. Coming in at fifth is Juggernaut. Alternating the two, three, and four spots were Cannonball, Frenzy, and Jubilee. And coming in at number one is Dazzler for us. Now, the Glob Herman, Glob Herman graphics that were released by Marvel, the last one said that it was a very tight election that three different characters bumbled to the top, and that the deciding vote was between a hundred votes only. So, you know, again, the Marvel, I. <laughs> Marvel has obviously very different data. I'd be curious to see that data. <laughs> you know, I know that we will never see that. It will never be released. But if I had to pick the top three candidates, it would either be Cannonball, Dazzler, Frenzy, maybe Jubilee, depending. Frenzy got a lot of social media traction. And a lot of people were talking about her time on Age of X. Right, she had a really good time there. She was part of Mike Carey's run after that. She's been part of Sword, so she's very much front and center. Jubilee was also in Exterminators, and she's sort of an, an evergreen X-Men. I would dare say most people did not vote for Jubilee because they wanted someone like a Frenzy, like a Dazzler on the team because she... You know, because they, they've never really had their time to shine. Whereas Jubilee is always kind of front and center in the Xbox in one way or another. You know, I, I, I'm I not saying this is true for every period. I mean, during the Utopian era, we had to suffer through Vampire Jubilee. And before that, she was depowered. She was, what, Wondra or something like that. So mm, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that she always has a spotlight. But I'm just saying she's an evergreen X-Men character. You can be sure that one day someone's going to tell a story. She's not going to fall into obscurity like someone like Frenzy, for example. Frenzy is a character who just during the 90s was a background character and then all of a sudden during Age of X by Carrie's crossover she had a huge spotlight and then afterwards in X-Men Legacy she she shined and now she's in Sword so she's taken a while to get somewhere similarly with Dazzler Dazzler was lost into the, in the Mojoverse during the 90s. And when she finally came back during Eve of Destruction, it wasn't, it was like a blink if you miss it situation. And then finally, she, she got Extreme X-Men, not, not the Chris Claremont one, but Volume 2, Extreme X-Men. And then she had a one-shot for Necrotia, and, and finally now Exterminators. I'm not saying she didn't appear anywhere else in the interim. Obviously, she, she had a spotlight in the Utopian era, but she was background at best with North Star and Pixie. <laughs> Which, by the way, hi, I, my name is Matt Fraction. Let me, let me appeal to the gay readership here. Let me put 
Dazzler and Northstar and Pixie together at a club and they're going to get drunk and the gays are going to love it. And, you know, Jesus Christ almighty. It was like so in your face. I mean, I did love it, though. So props to you, Matt Fraction. For that. <laughs> but for this episode, I thought, well, it's Saturday morning. I'm here in Florida. My husband is out getting his motorcycle license, and I've I've had a really rough time moving to Florida. I've I've sort of been honest about that. I I love Florida as as a concept, as an earth, but the actual ex- execution of this move has been extremely difficult. <laughs> you know, one, my mom is very sick. I posted this on Insta Stories last night. I had dinner with her. I was like, Mom, where do you want to go to dinner? And she's here, like, I want to go Bahama Breeze. I'm like, okay, well, it's not 2001, but sure, let's do it. And we got pina coladas, and then we went to Barnes Noble, and and she paid for everything, by the way. Oh, my God, I love it. love going out with my mom. But it was the first time in, like, probably a decade I ever spent a night by myself with my mom, a Friday night, no less, you know, with my mom. And there was no turmoil. There was no my dad there, my brother, and everyone was arguing. It was just, like, a very lovely dinner with my mom. But, you know, she has dementia. It's sort of hard to, you know talk to her i mean listen it's great she just pulls out her credit card for everything she's like i'll pay for it i was like "Mm, i run your finances i don't think you should be paying for this now but you know okay i mean why not let's have another pina colada but you know i'm kidding of course like I, i make sure she's taken care of on everything but you know i i the apartment we bought, it's really cool. It's like a two-story loft, but it is all open concept. It's very different than our home in New York, which we called Skyloft. We call this place Treehouse because I have to tell you, the reason why we bought it is because it's right on the water in Key Biscayne Bay, or the Biscayne Bay, excuse me, in Cocoa Walk. If any of you want to stalk me, oh my God, please stalk me. I'm so lonely. My last stalker ghosted me. I was so upset. I was like, I am so lonely. I need to be entertained 24 hours a day. My my husband's asleep. My stalker is ghosting me. Please, I live in Cocoa Walk in Miami. Come see me, please. Please, first round on me. And if you're going to take photos, just make sure they're like good angles of me. But we're in Cocoa Walk. We're overlooking the water, but... And it's this open loft, but it is so dumpy. It requires so much renovations. And I just don't feel like I've settled in. I feel like I'm squatting here. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, you know, listen, we bought at a very reasonable price. I feel it's a reasonable price for the neighborhood during what was an insane market down here in Florida. So, you know, I have to kind of get used to that different mindset. I also like homeowning. I'm like, if you know me, Familia, I have a huge, like, I, I'm OCD about everything. I see a chip on the wall. I'm like, call maintenance. Let's fix it. And now I'm maintenance. I have to fix it. <laughs> and I don't know how to repair sheetrock. I didn't even know what sheetrock was up until a couple months ago. And now all of a sudden it's consumed my life. It's the reason why I'm depressed waking up every morning because my sheetrock is from like the eighties and has like, it's not like popcorn, but it's kind of like warpy sheetrock. And I'm like, I just want to replace the sheetrock, but all in due time familia. But anyway, so I woke up this morning and I said, you know what? I really want to talk just on a Saturday morning about the X-Men. That's it. And I'm going to be seeing David, who's one of my new friends in about an hour. And we're going to do some Instagram content. I woke up today, we're feeling really happy and optimistic. And I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at 
all these beautiful trees and the water and this beautiful skyline here. And I'm like, you know what? This is a vibe, man. You know, I we, we are early aunts, X-Men vibe here. We love the knit and grit because we, even though we love, we fucking love the metaphor with the X-Men, we also love more than anything. It's a complicated relationships that the X-Men have and they're convoluted stories. And I figured we can go through these X-Men candidates and in theory say if they were elected, what would their stories be? And I thought that would be kind of fun. So our we'll, we'll start at the number six slot, which oh, I'm so sorry. It's Prodigy. Prodigy. And I think if you were going to be bringing Prodigy on the team, let's just say our polling data was completely wrong. Prodigy is number one here in the X-Books. I would say that I think you need to give David his his a, a good subplot. And and by the way, in sidebar, again, familiar, here's the thing. Polaris and Firestar have won the elections. We're already now voting for another one. Polaris never got a story. She got Trial of Magneto and she had X Factor. So, you know, it didn't really feel like she didn't get a story. But in the actual X-Men book that she won nomination for, that she won the, the candidacy for, she did not have a story in there. She had one scene where she crawled towards Jean and her coffee cup had spilled over. And she was like, mm, this is horrible. You know, whatever she said. She did not really have a story. You know, and again, I said, had had I been the writer at the time, I was saying, okay, Leah Williams is doing this with her in Trial of Magneto. This is what she did with her in X Factor. Where can I boost Polaris here? We know Magneto. We haven't planned to die on the horizon. Why don't we have a cute moment with her and Magneto? Dedicate one issue to her and Magneto, and sort of maybe this is their swan song, and they don't even know it, you know, because Magneto would be dying in X Men Red, right? Firestar, I'm like. You have Firestar, who has a very complicated relationship with a one Emma Frost. You have her, you know, you keep nodding, giving a homage to the amazing friends with Iceman and Spider-Man, but you're not doing anything with it. She's has, you know, very treacherous relationships with the mutants, and she is obviously an Avenger and a new warrior. Lean into that. Oh, also, she had cancer, which was a really big part of her story during Marvel divas so why not lean into the idea of like wow had my cancer returned or if i had cancer i would be okay on krokoa man that does not take back from once again i was a mutant suffering by myself and there was no mutant there were no mutant doctors i went to see hank pym if i remember correctly in the marvel diva story she went to go see hank pym to see what was going on no she didn't see hank pym because of that no she saw hank pym because she was her suit her her microwave you know, powers were out of control. And that's why she was wearing her suit. But regardless, she could have talked. It could be about my mutant powers are causing me cancer and all this stuff. Why? Why? Why does? Why does Emma Frost get to turn into a diamond when she was horrific for me? But then my fucking powers are giving me cancer. Lean into these narratives again. I. I. I it doesn't have to be this, but I would really love it if they just did a mandatory subplot with these characters, like, so give, give Firestar a mandatory one issue subplot, or it's on Marvel unlimited, you know, thing. I don't know. No, no. I, it, it, it baffles me that these characters are getting elected and not getting plot. So anyways, for this, I thought we could go through the candidates, as I said, and we'll, we'll talk about what they could do with them. And starting with Prodigy, I think Prodigy is a really interesting character that you could do something with. 
the Young Avengers because he has a relationship with Speed. He also has a relationship with the Academy X, the, the new mutants, you know, Surge, Elixir, Windance, Wallflower, and, you know, at the time, Wither, you know, and, and, and Icarus. And you can have, you know, you can have a, a relationship with these young students through David's lens. And David had a huge moment in X Factor. You know what I mean? Like he had a, a he had a spot there and it was well received. So what really like kind of like makes me worry is that someone like Prodigy is not being used to his full capacity in general. But even if he won, he's in desperate need of some stories. You know, I mean, you have the Redeemer, you know, son who's in who's in a relationship with 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 David. And I think that would absolutely be wonderful if you lean into that Dawn of X, that new generation, or the, these characters who start off as X-Men and go off to be champions, new warriors, defenders, whatever, Avengers, you know, kind of coming par becoming part of a much larger, larger spot in the Marvel Universe. So that's why I would I would lean into his relationship with the youth and maybe training other people. You know, other new mutants that we're seeing on the island. He also has badass like powers. Like he should be on the security team. I mean, I don't understand. Like he he should he is one of those characters that for me should be at the forefront of making sure Krakoa is airtight safe. Because we know Black Tom isn't doing that great of a job. Neither is Surge. I mean, again, I've said this over and over again. Mutant security isn't accounting for shapeshifters, time travelers, telepaths. You know, people can phase. No sé qué. I really need people, you know, to 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 look at the Krakoan world building. And for me, it would be no doubt that Prodigy would be front and center. So if he was elected into the X-Men, I wouldn't necessarily see him on the field. I'm not saying he can't be on the field, but I would see him more as a Oracle you know, from from Batman, you know, an Oracle figure where it's like, I got this. I have A, B and C here. I'm well organized. I, I can I can manage the team. I can run the team. I can tell Wolverine, you pop your claws and you hit them there. That's that's how you do it, you know, and he just has that mutant ability to be able to absorb those skills and knowledge of those in his proximity. I'm sorry, I'm reading the marketing copy that allows him equal mastery of any skill, mental or physical as those around him so you know again i would lean into that i would lean into him as being a backup for maybe one of the five stuff like that you know you already have character a character like sink who is having moments with gene who's having moments with laura and you know his powers are obviously they're not quite the same but they're within the same realm he's already on the field he's already having those interpersonal relationships Prodigy to me is someone who, all right, he has a relationship established with a very interesting character who, who also does not get enough screen time. I'm sorry. I mean, when you look at Speed and Wicked, it's all about Wicked. <laughs> People forget about Speed all the time. And they're supposed to be identical twins. Sidebar, I know in WandaVision they weren't, but they're supposed to be identical twins because in Young Avengers, when he was discovered, they're like, wow, he looks exactly like you, Billy. So Tommy gets ignored quite a bit. So you have someone like Tommy, who is the son of the the person, the 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 pretender who created the most atrocious act of genocide ever in mutant history, according to you know Hawksbox. You know that was said. 
But you have, and now she's redeemed. Of course, she's redeemed. We're happy that Wanda's redeemed and everything's moving forward. But like, where does that put speed in mutant society and his relationship with Prodigy, who's on the next man, who's an X-Men, who's a Krakow and X-Men? I think that the drama writes itself. The the interesting aspect of it is already there. And again, it doesn't have to be a protracted story. It could be a one-shot. It could be a Marvel Unlimited. That's it. It's super easy. Super easy. So that's where I would do, that's what I would do with Prodigy. With Juggernaut, if Juggernaut were elected, again, let's say we're going back in time and we, we find out our polling data was wrong and Juggernaut's actually number one, not number five, I would lean into Juggernaut being an X-Man by his his heart. You know, and I know that's a really, really ridiculous thing to say out loud because Juggernaut, he's, you know, full punch, you know, he's not even a, a mutant, but I would lean into his heart. What do I mean by that? I'm still not over his Sammy, <laughs> Sammy's death. You know, Sammy was a character during Chuck Austin's run who was supposed to be the point of view character for the reader right and we interviewed we interviewed chuck austin and you know he was always sort of supposed to be a character his his main purpose was to make sure that he brought heart out of juggernaut so i would have juggernaut be in the resurrection atrium i'm forgetting what's called i know there's an absolute official name for the resurrection chambers um magda something i'm forgetting maga carter <laughs> maga carter sorry guys i haven't had my coffee yet but i would lean into i would lean into him going to the resurrection chamber and the five bringing back sammy and juggernaut showing that hey when you were murdered by black tom by the way black tom's running air security say hi to black tom sammy ah you know i would i would i would have that moment with black tom and sammy and I would have Juggernaut show him around the island and be like, listen, when you died, this, we were just in a school. We were all terrified. You know, now we're on an island. And and Juggernaut realizing that his purpose here is not just to punch walls, but to bring hope to kids like Sammy. Kids who were forgotten and abandoned, right? That's sort of Juggernaut's MO. You know, he's like he's overshadowed by his stepbrother. And and he was an angry kid. And perhaps Juggernaut is here to bring that light of hope to those two kids like Sammy to let you know that there is, at the end of the day, uh, a paradise, you know, for for people like us. And, and we can get through it and no matter how buried it gets. And so I would really I would love to see that. That's what I would do with Juggernaut. I would also. And by the way, I don't want him to be absolved of any drama with his relationship with his brother. Bring in that complicated relationship with with Charles. I want I want Juggernaut to be like, yeah, this is why I always pounded on Charles, because he's a fucking dick, because he's an arrogant asshole who marches to the beat of his own drum, but doesn't care that no one understands the beat. You know what I mean? Like, I would love to see that kind of complicated, nuanced relationship with Juggernaut and paint him in the right, in, in why he was always angry at Charles, right? I've said this before. Your greatest enemy isn't someone you just randomly meet who just hates you. When you really do have an arch enemy, it's because there is a, there was at one point a lot of love. There was a lot of emotion there with someone. <laughs> and, you know, Juggernaut and Professor X certainly have a very complicated relationship. And oftentimes the people who hurt you the most are the people closest to you. So that's what I would do with Jubilee. I listen, I I really love Jubilee as a character. I, 
I've gone back and I've reread, obviously, Phalanx Covenant, a lot of her 90s stuff. I think she's a raging sociopath. The things she says to other people on the team, she is so mean. I like her a lot during Generation X. I think I think we saw a lot of growth for her during Generation X. And obviously we have her and her, you know, and her son now, who's a dragon. And I want to say Shingo because that's Sailor Moon's brother. Because <laughs> that's Sailor Moon's brother. But it's Shogo, Shogo. So she has Shogo, who's a dragon now in Otherworld. And and she was once a vampire. I think Jubilee is a character you have to get back to basics. So if you're gonna have her on the X-Men team, I think. She's a bit more seasoned, but she's still sort of the wallflower on the team. Like, she'll take the road less traveled. So I would love to see her on a solo with Laura Wolverine and sort of, you know, see that relationship she had with Logan, but now through the lens of Laura and her coming at it with a bit more experience. I would love to see that with a little bit more experience. And and I want her I want her to address like, no, yeah, I was a fucking vampire. That was kind of really fucked up. And and her thinking about her son, who's in other world. I think Jubilee also would be the kind to organize a happy hour with a Generation X kids. I think that would be really wonderful. We we're we're seeing now that that armor can drink. Armor is old enough to drink. Now, whether the drinking age in Krakoa is 18 or 21, who the fuck knows? Armor is old enough to drink, which means Jubilee is much older than the 18 to 21 range. Jubilee right now is in her mid-20s, mid to late 20s, right? I know the X-Men are immortal and, and they can resurrect at any age, so Jubilee is perpetually 17-year-old, fine. But mentally, let's say, mentally, Jubilee is in the 25 to like 28 category, a lot happens between 22 and 25. I, I'll never forget when I was in New York City, someone gave me that advice. They're like, oh, haha, I'm 25. I was like, you're so, you're not that old. And they're like, oh, you're 22. 23 and 24, so much is going to happen to you. And it's true. And I wanted to see Jubilee take a little bit more ownership while still maintaining her sassiness. So again, I would put her on, a, on, on the team. I would see her sort of not following Gene and Cyclops' advice, again, she's always going to be a rebellious character, but also having a rapport with Laura Wolverine and maybe going on the road less travel. I think that's sort of something you want to lean into with a character like her, you know? Our next one is going to be Frenzy. And I think Frenzy is a character that, oh my God, it is a wealth of, of storytelling, mostly because... She doesn't have much in her character history. And I think, you know, a lot of people want to talk about like the villainous aspect that she's had historically bring that to the team. Fine. You know, I mean, we've talked about this before, you know, the acolytes, the mutant liberation front, there were different perspectives on how to achieve mutant equality. And I have to tell you something. If someone came back to me from the future, right. And told me that, you know, uh, people like me were going to end up in concentration camps. <laughs> I would not be sitting at a mansion hooking up with everyone, listening to a bald guy telling me about a better tomorrow. I'll be like, um, if we don't do something fast, shit's going to get real. The Project Ride, Wide Awake is happening right now. There are Sentinels. There's a Mutant Registration Act. We got to fucking do something. We got to act. And that's why I think characters like Frenzy, Magneto, whoever you want to throw in there, why their ideology matters coming to something like this. Because the Krakoan X-Men right now 
I really see no difference between what it means to be a Krakoan X-Men, to be an X-Force member, to be an Avenger, whatever. It means absolutely nothing. And in fact, when we were told that the X-Men had disbanded, you know, between Krakoa and the the establishment of Krakoa and Ten of Swords, I was like, I never would have guessed. Like, it's, I just assumed everyone on the island was an X-Men, you know, that's where I would have leaned into. I was like, I wish they would have said there was no need for X-Men, right? There was no need for an X-Men team because now we're a nation. We're bringing back the X-Men now. Why does an X-Men team matter in today's world? Frenzy, because we got to get shit done. Things are happening, and we know Fall of X is coming. So let's. I I don't know what's going to happen in Fall of X. <laughs> I do know of some v- very horrible things that are on the horizon for the mutants. <laughs> and let me tell you something: you're going to want frenzy in there. We I can't talk about it. I'm sorry. We cannot give up the spoilers. I I I, I swore my my contact. I swore to my contact that I wouldn't say anything. But let's just say shit is going to get real this summer for the X Men. Following Sins of Sinister, shit is still going to get real for the X-Men. In the scenario I was told, and again, I don't know if the scenario is going to happen. I, I it, no, no shade to Dazzler, no shade to Jubilee or Prodigy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna want a frenzy or a a juggernaut in this situation. I'm gonna want someone who's gonna be like, no, we're gonna get shit fucking done here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So let's just say. But that being said, I don't know what's going to happen in Fall of X. But I would imagine you wouldn't want a powerhouse like Frenzy around who's just who who is a powerhouse who understands diplomacy from from her time on sword. You're gonna want someone who understands mutant relations. And again, she's on the X-Men team. She was an acolyte. She's seen Magneto, she's in Krakoa. She has a well-rounded perspective on stuff. Also, let's see her blow some shit up between Gene and Cyclops. Yeah. I listen. During Age of X, the original Mike Carey, not Age of X, man, Age of X, Mike Carey, Age of X, she and Cyclops were in a relationship, and we saw Emma get very upset about that. <laughs> you know, let's see, let, let, let's see Gene. You know, I would love Gene to kind of cock her head and be like, um, okay, so I was dead, and you hooked up with how many people? You know what I mean? Like, have a really cute moment like that. Again, it, 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 what I'm saying here does not need to be the focal point of the character i'm telling you one panel one issue one marvel unlimited thing show something with these characters that are being elected onto the x-men again i cannot tell you what firestar is doing on the x-men right now to me makes absolutely no sense that she's on there could have been anyone placeholder for anyone you have these characters in advance give them some stories so i'm just giving some suggestions here for frenzy frenzy you know can also be like hey you know i worked with your son kid cable on sword he was a good kid i'm sorry i miss him something like that you know like why is the character here why give us a unique scenario with the character and again i I think someone like frenzy with very hard times ahead for the for the mutants mark my words he's not gonna be an easy few months sins of sinister is gonna look like a walk in the park with what's to come for the x-men you're gonna want someone like frenzy there you're gonna want someone who understands diplomacy and also can punch someone that's why i didn't really like her her slogan, two-fisted diplomacy. I'm like, Frenzy's more than just hitting things. You know what I mean? And again, a really interesting thing would be maybe she kept some of her institutional knowledge from, from Age of X. 
and the, was it called the fortress the force warriors who spun the fort i don't know but maybe she understood she she remembered those times there she understands asteroid m and what it was like to be an acolyte and also utopia and also now krakoa she has a written and sword she has a really good baseline of 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 knowledge when it comes to these governing bodies that the mutants find themselves in let her lean into that right i Frenzy is going to integrate Krakoan society into human society, into American society or European society. Maybe that's something she's tasked with. I don't know. Maybe she has an embassy for Krakoa somewhere. Is it supposed to be the treehouse? I don't know. But you understand what I mean. And no one better fuck with her because she's going to beat your ass because she's a strong character, both intellectually and physically. That's what I would do with Frenzy. And again, she followed Magneto. What Magneto is now dead. His, his backups are deleted. Is this affecting her? You know, I know she has made a comment here and there about being an acolyte, but like maybe she's like, hey man, I Stockholm syndrome. You know what I mean? Like, I I, I feel weird that he's dead. He wasn't all bad, you know? <laughs> Whatever. And Gene being like, no, Frenzy, that was a time where he was like on a planet orbiting. Let me help you reconcile those memories. Again, these are again, these are just plot suggestions. Just something to do with the character. That's interesting. All right, Cannonball is next. New Mutant Cannonball. Oh, I don't know what we do with Cannonball, to be honest with you. I really love Cannonball, Tyrion, Uncanny X-Men, 341. I mean, listen, that to me is always going to be Cannonball at his peak, right? And I said this before, either to Scott or on an Insta story somewhere. Maybe it was just to Flink. I said that... When I was about 12 and I had migrated from the X-Men animated series to actually reading the comics with with some sort of frequency, I came in during the Onslaught era. And Sam was the X-Men's ingenue at the time. He had just graduated from New Mutants and he was on the X-Men. He looked like a big brother to me. He was like the guy I wanted to be because, again, someone like Jubilee Right, who was the X-Men ingenue for the longest time. Jubilee felt so old to me because I'd been watching her on the X-Men animated series and I was like eight or nine and she was 14. And again, at that age, it's such a huge age gap between being a kid and a teenager. So when I was finally coming of age for, for just a few years, this was just a few years that Sam was the X-Men's ingenue, the, he spoke to me and I loved him. I loved that, that fight with Gladiator where people were like, Oh, haha, Sam, you're not going to be able to beat Gladiator on your own. And he did. Not only did he, but he also whooped Gladiator's ass. And he was surprised by his own power. So something like that for Cannibal. And he had his writer's strong hair that Joe Matarea, you know, uh, drew for him. Someone like Cannibal is always going to speak directly to my soul. So I would always want him to be occupying that kind of role. I think he's a little outdated for it. But how about this? I think the Guthries are Krakoan royalty. There's like a hundred of them and they're all mutants. And I think we, we need to see some more family dynamics other than the Summers. And and I say this true, not just for the Guthries, but for the Dark Homes, for, for the Maximoffs. I, I want to see other families spotlit in, 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 in the Krakoan age. And I think the Guthries, we saw that during the Crucible. We saw it with Melody. 
when she was trying to get her powers back. You know, it was a brief moment where, you know, Sam was getting angry that she was being beaten because you have to die in order to be resurrected, which, again, is another another thing I would love the, to see them tackle in the Krakoan age. You know, how, how weird the Crucible is. Like, man, maybe you can just have Jean put someone to sleep and transfer their mind. I mean, I don't know, you know. Anyways, but I would love to see that is what I'm trying to say. I would love to see some sort of frequency with other families and the Guthries. And I think if you lean into Sam coming into the X-Men, and he's a different person now, I would love the line with like, hey, man, I have a wife and kid now. I'm, a, I'm an X-Man. You don't need to treat me like a new mutant. You know, I, I don't want to wear this new generic new mutants uniform because I'm literally an adult. Again, I, I think Sam spiritually, spiritually Sam should be in his late 20s, early 30s, and he's grown up faster than most because he has a kid now and a wife, and he now has to sort of bridge the gap between Shi'ar and, and Krakoan, you know, um, societies. I would also have him have a moment with Juggernaut, or Juggernaut, excuse me, Gladiator, and be like, haha, that time during Christmas where I whooped your ass, and Gladiator be like, hold my beer, let's do another round here. Again, lean into the character histories. Mind what is already established. Things in the Krakone age, everyone is saying about Claremontine and blah, 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 and planting stories for future writers. And I think that's great, but also mind the stories that have come pre Krakoa for frack's sake. And that was always going to be our my main grievance with Jonathan Hickman taking over the Krakoan, you know, or taking over X-Men at the time was Jonathan Hickman. I was going to say Jonathan Hitler. Jonathan Hickman can write a really good story. There's no doubt that he has really great concepts and themes. However, I don't think he he writes characters with really good personalities and sort of like the chemistry between characters. That's why I think during Empire, him and Teeny Howard, I maintain this, him and Teeny Howard together are a perfect combo for me. Teeny Howard gets too convoluted in her in her own thoughts and 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 plot and Hickman does not give enough thought to to the certain one-on-ones with the characters and just looks at a, a larger big picture which is a bit cleaner. Put them together you have wonderful. In fact, I would love Jonathan Hickman and Teeny Howard to write Cannonball. I think he, they would write a perfect Cannonball. And so I would do that. I would lean into Sam's I'm no longer a new mutant. I'm an adult. I have a wife. I have a kid. I would lean into him occupying both uh, Shi'ar and and Krakoan, you know, uh, citizenship. I would lean into his relationship with Gladiator. Again, that's just me being a little biased there. And I would also sort of see him being like, why is this council so fucking corrupt? Like, we need good Krokoan values instituted here. And I would see him more as a contemporary, like kind of like a sidekick to Cyclops. I think that would be brilliant. You know, have him as a sidekick to Cyclops. All right. And our last one is, of course, Dazzler. What would I do with Dazzler in the Krokoan age? With, again, this is this is just a suggestion I would I would lean into Dazzler being a mutant diva, a la like Madonna and Kylie or or whoever or Taylor Swift. Like is it, it can Dazzler not make the war room meeting in the treehouse because the Ticketmaster site just crashed because her tour was announced, <laughs> you know? I think if you want to integrate Krakoans, you know, have Krakoans be accepted by humanity, you have someone like Dazzler. What unites people? Concerts and sports. Those two things. Dazzler 
is emblematic of music and mutants. Let her be this force, you know, that that brings people together. There may be people who are anti-Crocroans, but they love Dazzler's music. You know, not even they can't resist dancing to Body Heat. I really hope they, they give Dazzler a song. Again, if she is nominated to the X-Men team, if our polling is right. And again, I, I'm standing by my polling, but that does not mean it can't be wrong. <laughs> it's not mean it can't be wrong. I, I, I would want, I would want them to lean into her being an artist. You know, I think it would be hysterical if you gave me a Marvel Unlimited issue of her agent negotiating the terms of her contract and Cyclops being like, um, listen, we just we're X-Men. We all just do this. Like she has a she has a bungalow here in the treehouse. She can use a Crocoan gate whenever she wants to get here. Like I'm not negotiating the per diem. You know, and, and again, it doesn't have to be something campy like that. It doesn't have to be. It, it could be her having a relationship with Shatterstar or Longshot or her never getting the proper dues that she was owed to her. You know, that's why I was sort of lean into that. Maybe she has Lois London, her sister, comes back and is spewing garbage about her to the media. And, and she has to sort of navigate that. I think what I'm trying to say is that Dazzler has a wealth of stories that would set her apart uniquely and don't give her just a generic, you know, I'm in the background, here's some lighting powers, which they're going to do. But I would lean into her celebrity status. Again, maybe she is a Kylie of Krakoa and she unites people. Maybe Ticketmaster's website is crashing because she had an on-sale date for her tour, her resurrection tour. You know, maybe she is able to be a good spokesperson for Krakoa and bridge any tension between mutants slash Krakoans and humanity. I think that would be wonderful. Maybe she's talking about the Phoenix Foundation. Maybe she is a spokesperson for Jean's Phoenix Foundation. Wealth of information there, Familia. All right, Familia, that is a proper rant right there. That is what I think we should do with the X-Men. Krakoan X-Men, whoever gets nominated. Those are the stories I would lean into. Tell me what stories you would lean into. I'm sorry if I repeated stories that have happened in the past. I am a little obsessive when it comes to stories. I'm like, mm, you know, I we have seen Charles and Juggernaut, you know, confront their issues before, but drill it home for me, man. That's that's an ongoing relationship that always it's gonna be perennial. It's always gonna have issues. Lean into that. You know, Dazzler, I, I don't think we've ever seen Dazzler be a diva. I would really want to see that. Jubilee, we've seen Jubilee is capable of substantial growth. Now's the time. She's front and center. Let's see that growth for her. Frenzy, again, if I had to, if I was reestablishing a society and I needed to help people build the foundation, I'd be like, Frenzy has seen a lot of political structures within our micro mutant community. Let's have her apply some of those ideologies here. Um, again, Prodigy, I would be like, Prodigy, there's no way that that a, that a mutant with that kind of power can go unused. Like, he needs to be somewhere. You know what I mean? Sam, again, like, hey, it's he's stepped up. It's time. It's time for him to step up. That's it. He, he was a new mutant. He literally has a kid now. He, he, has, he has a wife and a kid. He's no longer a new mutant. He does not fit into that reckless teen vibe anymore. So that's what I would do. Hit me up on the podcast at Power of X-Men. We have a lot of exciting coverage coming down our way. We're going to start expanding past just X-Men talent. 
you know, there's some other comic book talent there that I do want to start talking to. It doesn't necessarily have to be X-Men focused. But let us know your thoughts on everything. DM us, and we'll see you guys later.